Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I really want you to get something out of church today other than to be able to check it off your list. I went to church in January of, of the new year. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 29, 18. And before we get into that, let me remind you, I wish that you would start your day off with the proverb of the day. It's something we do as a church. It's something we've been doing for decades. Whatever day of the month it is, read the corresponding chapter to that day of the month. Do that as your morning devotion. And don't just read it. When you read it, try to zero in on one or two things that can be your marching orders for that day. And you can rehearse that in your mind over and over and over again. And I promise you this, when you apply the word of God to your life, your life gets better. Two people said amen. In Proverbs 29, 18, the Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, There is a reason why you are here. Pray with me. God, thank you for being our reason, God. Thank you for drawing us into this place today. God, I thank you for every person who's turned aside and made it here today to be in your house on this morning. And God, I ask you now that you would anoint my mouth and my mind, God, strengthen my body. Let me say the things that you would have me to say. God, I pray you speak through me to your people. We need to hear your voice above all in Jesus' name. Amen. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I believe that this may well be the single most misunderstood and mistaught verse in all of Scripture. We have, we have moved away from real Christianity in the 1900s, spilling over now into the 2000s. Um, in, in the 1900s, people began to move away from orthodox biblical Christianity and started mixing in a lot of new age hocus pocus voodoo magic witchcraft in it. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, I declare and I decree $17,000 in the mailbox for me. Mm, I'll give you another one. Repost this message and your miracle is on its way. Please stop doing that. I, I see some of y'all do that. I'm like, she knows better. That's, that's, this ain't voodoo. It's type amen, and all your prayers will be answered. What, what type of lottery ticket are you playing with God? What, what, the people started selling hype because it brought in more dollars. People, people started promising a blessing to everyone. I, I, I love the way Jesus uh, shared what little bit of insight he gave people into their future because God doesn't tell most people what it's going to look like all the way down because most of us would run and hide. 
Most people couldn't take it if God showed you every step your journey is going to go through from here until the end. He, he, gives, he gives us his word as a lamp unto our feet. Not a spotlight shining down the road, but it lights up as we move forward. But he started, uh, when Jesus was asked by Peter, because Jesus told Peter a hard thing. Jesus told Peter, uh, you are going to die just like me. You, when you've been young, your feet carried you where you want to go. But there's going to come a day when you get older, and other people are going to carry you to where you don't want to be. And he was prophesying to him. The day. I've never heard a modern-day prophet prophesy someone's excruciating, painful torture and death. But it's not, it's not just now. They said in the Old Testament, prophesy to us smooth things. Preacher, say to us things that, that we want to hear. Tell us lies. And that's been going on for a long time. And we have professional twisters of Scripture in the pulpit now that are better storytellers than they are theologians. They're better motivational speakers than they are Bible students. And they can put their spin on a verse. And I want you to understand that this verse does not mean what modern preachers on television are saying it means. Without Where there is no vision... The people perish. Listen, let, let, me, let me give you a clue. This isn't even talking about visual. Now, if you see the word vision, you assume there's something to do with visual. But let me tell you what type of voodoo has worked its way into pulpits and pews and people's homes that claim the name of Jesus Christ based on this verse and others like it and false teachings surrounding these type of verses. We, we've got people saying, oh, you got to have a vision for where you want to go. It sounds good. You, you, you need to write it down. The, uh, Habakkuk 2 says write the vision and make it plain. And it didn't mean that in Habakkuk and it doesn't mean that in Proverbs. God told Habakkuk write down what I'm saying. Write down this impending doom that I'm prophesying to you to tell others. And, and they say in Habakkuk write the vision and make it plain. So he who reads it can run with it. And I heard the greatest speaker in modern history, the, the, the greatest voice from any pulpit in the world right now, in my opinion, I believe the greatest orator uh, uh, that's, uh, as a pastor in America right now is Bishop Jakes. And I love a lot of what Bishop Jakes says, but Bishop Jakes gets, gets into his speaking ability and strays from the Bible. And he talked about Habakkuk 2.2. And he talked about how you, you got to figure out what you want for your life. That's your vision. And then write it down because God said write it down. Then he said read it. And then you got to run with it. So go ahead right now and just take out a piece of And he told everybody take out a paper and pen and write down what you want to see the next five years. That's not God's vision. That, that, that's your selfishness on display. And when he told Habakkuk, write the vision and, and make it plain so he that reads it can run with it, he was telling people, you better run because danger's coming. He wasn't telling them ease and please and, 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 and grits and cheese. He was telling them danger is coming. When you hear about prophecy in today's world, ooh, we better go down to the big church next week, Pastor. They're having a prophetic conference. Oh, they got a prophet coming in there. Oh, he, she can prophesy. Oh, my goodness. She told me all about myself. Witchcraft can do that. That's not what prophecy is. We're going to talk a little bit about what prophecy is in a minute. But where it says may, where there is no vision, people, listen, I promise you, there's somebody in this room who has now, right now, 
in their home a vision board. You, she said it before I finished it. A vision board. You got a vision board? Uh-huh. And, and let me tell you where vision board. Find me a vision board in the Bible, and I'll give you my next 32 paychecks. It's not a biblical concept, but heretics in pulpits who wanted to please the minds of their listeners and not speak as the oracle of God told people, if you can believe it, ha, you can receive it. Just put it, write it down, put it on a board, look at it every day, call those things that be not as though they are. Every one of those phrases in that context is heresy. Every one of those phrases said like that, put together like that, is heresy. It, it's no worse other than the fact people receive it. If you just want to grab a phrase here, grab a phrase there, and do it all together, the Bible says Judas went out and hanged himself. Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. Now, does the Bible really say we ought to all go out and hang ourselves? No, but when you pick a little from here and pick a little from there, you can come up with anything. And I'm going to tell you, vision boards, and you can look this up, vision boards are ancient pagan practices of calling on false gods to manifest their desires. God has no system in place to give you your, what you want in and of yourself. It, it, there's nothing in the Bible that says if you just speak new car, new car, new car, new car, new car, it's going to come your way. Now, that, that's modern universalism. Oprah teaches that. Uh, Jim Carrey teaches that. Just, just put, put it on a vision board. Look at it every day. Believe for it. Manifest it. Call, the, the Bible never told us to call those things that be not as though they are. That is impossible for a Christian. The Bible says God who calls those things that be not as though they are. So when these heretics began to get approached with this false theology, with some proper theology, they decided, well, we're going to have to say that we are gods in the earth. And they took half a verse out of the Gospel of John, and they said, look, we are gods in the earth. Now, there's another great preacher in the earth today. And, I mean, this is the sharpest guy on two feet. This is the best-dressed uh, used to be the best looking, but uh, like me, he got some age on him now. Um, uh, but he's got the greatest name for any preacher preaching about money. You, you, you can't beat this name. Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar. Sharp, probably probably one, of the, one of the most educated, intelligent people uh, preaching that, that ever has been. Uh, but he, he teaches this call out those things that you want. He teaches, those man he teaches manifestation. He teaches whatever you want if you, if you just believe for it long enough. Listen, the Bible says for you to believe for anything, it's got to be in God's will for your life. If God wants you to die of crucifixion, uh, you can't die in your sleep on a beach drink, drinking a, a pina colada. God's will is going to be done. But, but Creflo teaches loud, proud, in public, in books, and in conferences across the world that God is not allowed to do anything in the earth without first getting permission from a human being because he gave man dominion in the garden. 
I'm thinking, anybody that's sitting there that hears that, God's got to ask a person permission. That would be like you telling my son, I think your dad has to ask you permission for anything he wants to do in his house. My son would get under the bench if you said that. But, but there's people out there that have taken this verse and others like it to, to make, make it sound like uh, God is a magic eight ball. And God is a slot machine. If you just pull the lever enough times, your number will come up. God is a lottery ticket. And we've got many preachers out there that are not teaching the truth of God's word. They're selling hope. And, and, it, and it's the same message, and I've told y'all, it's the same message. I, uh, you might be the janitor now, but God going to raise you up. They might be calling you the low leg on the totem pole, but you're going to be on top. The Bible says God, promotion comes from the Lord. God moves one up, puts another one down. You think God doesn't want janitors? You think God doesn't want receptionists? God, this whole thing that's been brought in of self-pleasing versus the true teaching of the Word of God has led millions of people into false doctrine. And this verse is right there. Where there is no vision, the people perish. If you read that or if you hear that talk by people on TV, more times than not, they're going to be leading you into vision boards. They're going to be leading into you thinking it. Just think in your mind, what do you want? Uh, I, I got news for you. Extra, extra, read all about it. News flash. Christianity is not about what we want. Christianity is about what God wants. Well, when I'm going to get mine? Because I want to do me, me. Well, then Christianity is not your religion. Because the, the Bible says we are servants of the Most High God. And we live to accomplish his will. But this whole vision thing, let, let me get off what it's not, and let me, let me get on to what it is. The original word for vision has nothing to do with a mental image. It, has to, it, it is most uh, properly translated oracle. Say oracle. Now, I've only ever seen one oracle uh, even shown in any movie. Somebody give me a movie that had an oracle. The Matrix. Neo had to go see the oracle. And an oracle, if you look up the definition of oracle in any dictionary, online dictionary, uh, hardback, softback dictionary, it, it will tell you that an oracle is a person through whom a deity speaks. Um, and, and that's a good definition for oracles. Now, in the kingdom of God, um, we know these people as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These, these are the oracles of God. That word oracle comes from the same root word that the word revelator comes from John was an oracle he, he was the revelator he said what God said and that's the oracle's job and in, in Peter 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 tells when he's talking about people who have a speaking gift people that God has called to speak he says if anyone will speak let him speak as the oracle of God so you get this oracle word in there that we don't use much. So the New Living Translation kind of pulls it uh, to the forefront where we can understand a little better. It says, if anyone will speak, and it's talking about people with a spiritual gift of speaking, not just talking about weather. He said, if anyone will speak, let him speak as though God himself was speaking through him. 
And this is what God has given us, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for. This is also what God has anointed people in the body to do, to speak to other people as though you are speaking to them on God's behalf. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers just do it in more of a public setting. But in, in a primary way, we ought to all be speaking the words of God. See, what a real oracle does is only relays what God has already said. They don't sit down and think, oh, and just, just think and think and think and think and think and think. This is what I believe God is saying. I ain't got no time for you to tell me what you believe God is saying. Everybody, everybody who preaches for God is a human being, and that makes them flawed. That makes them faulty. That makes them susceptible to bad theology. From me to Bishop Jakes and everybody in between. I have no time, and you should have no time, to listen to anybody that says what they think God is saying. That's why all these little house church movements aren't from God. That's why all these little house church movements um, are a curse on the body of Christ. Let me tell you about house church. Well, well, Pastor, in the first church, the Bible says they went from house to house. Yeah, read that whole verse. In that same verse, it says they met in the temple daily and then went from house to house to have meals. That's not, that's not, a, that, that's, that's not a prototype. That, that's not a, a, a text verse for house church, but many people have taken that to do that. Let me tell you what the average house church is about. Somebody got mad because the pastor held them accountable. Somebody got mad because the pastor told them they were wrong. Somebody got mad because they, they wanted to be the boss. They, when, 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 when am I going to get to have my say? And, and they, didn't, they didn't like hearing when you show yourself faithful. They, they, they want it now. See, here, here's the reality. Every church and every truly ordained man or woman of God fits into one of three categories. Everybody that speaks on God's behalf, everybody who calls them a pastor, fits into one of three categories. Some were called. Some were sent. Some just packed up their junk and went. And the called has a biblical standpoint for it. The sent has a biblical basis for it. But those who just packed up their junk and went, and here's what most of them do. They sit around in circles, and they read the Bible, and they say, well, this is what I think it means. Well, Jimmy, why don't you tell us what you think? I don't care what, uh, you shouldn't care what I think it means. You should care what it means. Could you imagine going to a dentist's office, having the dentist pry your mouth and make you bite. They need to come up with some better technology. Biting down on them things we've been biting down on for the last 50 years. They put it in the back of your mouth. Make you, that's just horrible. Uh, but, and, and then they come out with these screens, and they, they let you look at it, and they say, well, uh, why, why don't you just uh, read that, tell me what you think it means, and here's the drill. Go ahead, and, and, and you just do it. Immediately, you would have great revelation that, well, I'm not an expert in that. I'm not studied in that. I, I, I haven't given my life to understand. You do it. We got a lot of non-experts out there teaching this foolishness um, without getting people truly educated in the Bible. And it gained so much popularity in the 80s with the advent of Christian television to where preachers became performers more than ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where gospel television became anything other than gospel which the bible declares is the death burial and resurrection of christ it became broadcast time for money 
They're just dialing for dollars. We got people standing by to answer the phone right now. You call in, sow a $100 seed. I swear on Jesus, if you swear, sow, sow a $100 seed, God going to give you double for your trouble. Because they picked half a verse out that said double blessing. And then they misappropriated it. And how many of y'all think people send that money believing? God going to come through. How many of y'all think people copy and paste that into their social media? Type amen, forward it to seven people, and, and magic dust is going to be sprinkled on you, and, and all your troubles are going to go away. This is witchcraft. This is not the oracles of God. When God told Habakkuk, write the vision and make it plain, he didn't say, sit down and think what you think ought to happen, Habakkuk, and, and, and then put it, on, put it on paper so everybody can read it and run with it. No, he said, write the vision. Write the words that I have given you. Vision always circles around what God said concretely, where you can go back and find it in this book. Because here's the reality. If you believe something about God that you cannot substantiate with chapter and verse in this book, your belief is false. Had a pastor, I've told you all about him, one, had a pastor in one of the colleges. I went to five different colleges in my lifetime, uh, uh, Christian colleges. And in, in one of the colleges I was in, it was, a, uh, it was a theological course. It was a New Testament course. And uh, we were learning New Testament Greek. And this one pastor stood up, and he exposed himself. He didn't even realize what he was saying. He had been arguing back and forth. And this was kind of class where everybody was, uh, you know, uh, able to chime in. Everybody in there was you know, had years in ministry, and you, you got to figure the average person who's trying to learn Greek is, is not new to this. So uh, he got tired of everybody disagreeing with him. He stood up, slammed his hand down on the Bible, and he said, on the desk, he said, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what God told me. I fell back laughing. And I told him, you just exposed yourself. You, you put your experience on the same level of God's word. And you're a heretic. He left mad. But he left being told the truth. An oracle, someone who speaks for God, a revelator, someone who speaks for God, does not put their words in it. They, don't, they tell you what God already said. They're not making up stuff. God would tell prophets what to say. And that's what an oracle is. It's, it, it's someone who speaks to other people on behalf of God, but speaks the words of God. That's why the Bible says... That when we preach, we should preach, anybody know what? The word. Preach the word, not opinion. Not, not, don't, don't get caught up asking people what they think the Bible says. Because the scripture says for itself that no scripture is of any private interpretation. It can't mean one thing to the Baptists and a different thing to the Charismatics. It can't mean one thing to you and a different thing to me. What, what it can be is some of us might be right and some of us might be wrong. But instead of saying that, people are more comfortable saying, well, that's how you receive it. This is how I receive it. Listen, just because you throw receive in there doesn't make it godly. So we're talking about where there is no oracle, where there is no revelator, the people perish. Uh, I, I, we, we've seen this verse in the King James, and I'm, I'm going to walk through this a little bit. I'm going to be able to teach you for you. Uh, with you for a minute because some of you have been around for a while you know how I study I study with about 11 different uh, sometimes more but usually about 11 different uh, translations versions of scripture because 
um, most of the guys. Here, here's how these versions came out, if you don't know. There's only one original Old Testament and one original New Testament. There's not a bunch of versions of that. But what happened is human beings, groups of theologians got together and they read the original Hebrew in the Old Testament and they wrote down what it meant. But as language evolved and as, and as words lost meaning in, in old scenarios, um, they, they began to put in more updated language, and that's how we got more and more versions. Uh, never done by one person, always done by a large group of people uh, with, with amazing credentials. And so uh, some people ask, you know, what's the best version of the Bible to read? And I always tell you, the one you read. I, I personally believe that the most theologically accurate version of the Bible is the New American Standard Version. I love, for my own personal reading, just for pleasure, to read out of the King James because it's the only version there was when I first got saved. And I love the majesty and the poetry of the language. Uh, for teaching purposes, I think that the New Living Translation um, gives us a fantastic look at modern speech but that that's how it did people took the words from the old testament hebrew and the new testament greek and they just translated them into modern language so we could understand them it it would be like um if i said something in english and i was in front of a room full of spanish people and nixa was interpreting for me uh and if i said something that didn't have an exact translation, didn't have an exact word for it. If some, you know, uh, typical Pastor Scott ghetto neck uh, isms, she would look at me and, okay. And I'd have to give her a word that she, or she'd have to reach for a word. So I look at all these different versions because some of them, sometimes we get different words to pull greater meaning. Short of that, uh, you just got to learn Hebrew and Greek and go to the original language. And I'm going to promise you that that's, that's a 10-year endeavor. So let's, let's look at it in some, in some other versions and take it one phrase at a time. So we looked at it in the King James. Let's look at it in the New King James. Where, and we're just going to look at it a phrase at a time. I've always taught you, read the Bible one phrase at a time. Pay attention to the punctuation. Uh, take it small bite-sized pieces. So we saw where there is no vision in the King James. But the New King James says where there is no revelation. Okay, now the Hebrew word means oracle or revelator. So when the New King James Version was written, they realized that vision creates a visual concept in people's mind. So let's put a word that creates more of God's speaking in there. So it says where there is no revelation. Look at it in the New Living, just this first, first phrase. When people do not accept divine guidance... Okay, so now vision means revelation and divine guidance. Well, why is an oracle or a revelator giving you divine guidance? Because the words that are being said are not from a human brain. They're from God's brain. I want you to get this in your spirit. Let's look at it in the next translation, just this first phrase in the English Standard Version. Where there is no prophetic vision. Prophecy entails speaking. Prophetic speaking entails bold speaking. And listen, every prophet 
So you see, you listen to prophets now. They all prophesy uh, your miracle is coming, your breakthroughs. God has seen your pain, <laughs> and, and, and he's bottled every tear. <laughs> and he's a, See, you take a little bit of truth out of all this, then you sprinkle heresy all over top of it, and you just end up with a bunch of witchcraft. And, but they're always prophesying that great things are coming. Do you know every prophet in the Bible prophesied judgment, doom, pain? It's like Mr. T. How many, how many of y'all watched Rocky when Mr. T was in it? They asked Mr. T, what, what was his prediction for the rematch? He had one word, pain. <laughs> That's what prophets in the Bible uh, prophesy about. And, and, and so this, this verse should be understood where there is no prophetic vision. Look at, look at the next version in, in the Christian Standard Bible. Without revelation. So now we're back to that word revelation instead of vision. Let's, let's look at it in the New American Standard. Where there is no vision, it's staying with this word because they feel like that's the closest that they could get when they wrote that down. Let's look at the New English translation. Where there is no prophetic vision. So we've seen that before. We see it again in the Hebrew names version. Where there is no revelation. So we've seen that before, and we see it again. And when I study, I look for the commonality of these words because here's the reality. All these people wrote these, write, uh, translated these versions, they're way smarter than us. They're way smarter than I'll ever be. They, 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 they can speak Hebrew way better than I ever will. They understand the original languages. These, these are linguistic experts. So I, I, I take all these words, and, and here, here are the words that I've taken from all these different versions in, in my studying. Uh, in the King James, we have vision. In the New King James, revelation. In the New Living, divine guidance. And in the English, prophetic vision so we, we've got all this concept where there is no all of this the people perish not just can you see can you see it that's witchcraft can you see it if you can see it you can receive it's not true you can only receive what God has for you you should have been here when I preached on how to get all your prayers answered you got to pray prayers that are in agreement with God's will because the Bible says he is of one mind and no one can turn him. And what his soul desires, that he does. And he will accomplish his will in all the earth. So th th this, this is what we see this word for vision means. So I, I, I put this together and I want you to hear and try to catch on. Uh, vision is hearing what God says. That, that shouldn't say seeing, it should say hearing. Uh, I know I put that in my notes, Elder, but uh, that, uh, not in my notes, but I put that in the, in the PowerPoint. Vision is hearing what God says. An oracle is one who is speaking what God says. Revelation is receiving what God says. Divine guidance is being guided by what God says. And prophetic vision is speaking boldly what God says. Now, I want some really educated person who can read with comprehension to look at this screen and find the three words that are common to every one of these meanings. What God says. Vision for the Christian is only about what God says. Your vision is selfishness and flesh. Biblical vision is always surrounded by what God says. Because whether you look at it as vision or oracle or revelation or divine guidance or prophetic vision, it always revolves around what God says. Now, many scholars point uh, to this, this phrase uh, that, that is used in the, in the New Living Translation, and they say that the best modern translation 
for this word in today's time is divine communication. Where there is no divine communication. Now, you ought to be able to look at these different words and, and realize they all fit into divine communication. An oracle, uh, a revelator, uh, a prophetic, this is all part of giving out divine communication. So let's go to the next phrase. In the King James, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, and so let's, let's look at some of these other versions and see what this phrase says. Uh, in the King James, it says perish. In the New King James, it says people cast off restraint. In the New Living Translation, it says they run wild. And in the New American Standard Bible, it says the people are unrestrained. And all of these things run uh, together in what's being said. Uh, the people perish. That has been used by heretics to promote a false theology that says, if you can't see what you're believing for, you ain't going to make your manifestation. That has nothing to do with this verse at all. That's visual, and this, this, this word vision is talking about spoken. And the Bible says faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of God, not opinion and not our own desires. But this is the result of not having divine guidance from God. Perishing casting off constraint, running wild, and people being unrestrained. That's a really good picture of what's going on in churches today. Homosexual pastors, sissy worship leaders. I said it. They're putting people in jail in Canada right now for saying it. That's not of God. Listen, I'm not any more mad, though, and if you've never heard me say it, I'll say it again. I don't think homosexuality is any worse of a sin as overeating. The Bible says if, you, if you've broken one of God's commandments, this is if you're guilty of breaking them all. We all stand guilty in the eyes of God, and we all need the blood of Christ applied to our lives. I hope somebody can say amen. amen. So we, we take these words, the people perish. Well, that means they die. Say they die. Uh, the, other, the next one, the people cast off constraint. That means they do away with what was holding them back. Oh, I'm so glad that God constrains me. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit compels and constrains. I'm glad. I, I look at it this way. I've said it this way many times. I'm glad God keeps a short leash on me. I promise you this. God will not let me. You don't have to worry about me. You don't have, well, I don't know about this preacher. I mean, listen, I can promise you this. God's not going to let me wander too far off the reservation. He pulls a knot in my neck and drags me back, centers my life on the Word of God. But when people aren't receiving the word of God from divine communication, when people aren't hearing the oracles of God speak, they, they do away with what was holding them back. Uh, the, the next translation says they run wild. They do what they want to do. And they scatter in many different directions. If you say run wild, that intimates people aren't all running in the same direction. They ran wild. They scattered and they ran in different directions. That's counterintuitive to Christianity because Christianity is about unity. Christianity is also about authority. And that's why a lot of people don't like the Lord's church. Because when a true oracle of God tells them it, the truth, the truth anyhow, then they get mad. And guess what they do? They scatter and they run in different directions. Another version says the people are unrestrained. What that means is they have nothing to hold them steady on the path they should be on. If you're not hearing the word of God spoken to you in your hearing, then you, you're, you're, you're not going to have 
That solid rock to stand on. Scripture is a solid rock. Scripture is the foundation on what we believe about God. We don't believe things about God because man made it up. We believe things about God because God said it in his holy book. And, and this is what it means where there is no vision. Get your mind off vision boards and get your mind on what God says. So when this ends up happening... When they don't have it, people end up following a deadly path. Say deadly path. And there's people in this room right now. You're on a deadly path. And it's not because you don't have vision insight. You see, we like to think vision means insight. It's not because you don't have insight that you're on a deadly path. It's because you don't receive the oracles of God. You don't hear the word of God. You don't submit yourself to the spoken word. And, And let me tell you something. Before there was a book, there was a voice. God has always operated on what he said, even before people wrote down what he said. And when you stop doing that, when you're not having divine communication from an oracle, the people follow a deadly path. Some of y'all are on that. And then you're going to end up in some therapist's office, some pastor's office. I don't know why. My life just feels like it's falling apart. Because you're not receiving divine communication. Because here's the reality about divine communication. It stings. That's why I tell y'all, if you can't say amen, say ouch. This is where we come up with expressions like stepping on my toes. This this is where we come up with expressions like God took me to the woodshed, straightened out my thinking. Because the Bible says that the the word of God is a two-edged sword. It cuts. I'm going to tell you something. There is no cutting of anything that's alive without pain. No cutting without pain. They cut a piece of my scalp off uh, this past week, and it involved pain. Uh, and the, the thing that hurt worse, they're like, we're, we're going to numb the area up. You're going to feel a little prick followed by a little sting. <laughs> I sat there and just made up in my mind, I'm not going to flinch. And I didn't. And they're like, you don't feel that? I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel it. And then this dude took the carving on my head, and because you can't put a Band-Aid on a, hair, on a head with hair on it, dude took out a soldering iron and just, just burnt my hair and my scalp all back into shut so I wouldn't bleed out on his table. Thank God Seth had to deal with this. Uh, uh, if you know me well, you know smells stay in my nose for a long time. I thank God I woke up today without that, finally, without that smell of burnt flesh and hair in my nose. But let me get back to the point where uh, there is cutting, there is what? People don't like pain. People don't like, well, I, 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 think, I, I think I'll just leave abundant life. You know, I, I like going to Pastor Bobo's church because I just feel so uplifted and so encouraged. Every time I go there, I just feel empowered. God is not looking to empower us. God is looking to guide us. And I can promise you this. If, if you're walking down the, down the street with, with your little child and they go to step out in front of a car, you just don't let them feel empowered and go in there. You yank them back. That's, that's real leadership. But some of y'all have left from that. I got people that tell me this all the time. Not all the time, but I've heard it more times than I can count. Well, I like going to my other church uh, because... That's where all my friends are. But when I really need to get slapped around by the word, I come to abundant life. 
Oh, so when you're looking for divine guidance, when you're looking for God to be a father. See, this is why there's so much talk about the Holy Spirit in churches today, because the Holy Spirit makes people feel powerful and goosebumps. And, oh, the hair on the back of my, I got Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost bumps. The Holy Ghost makes people feel special. People, there's a lot of talk about Jesus in churches today because Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the big brother that comes and fights your battles for you and bails you out. Not a lot of talk about the Father. Because here's what the Father does. The Father whips you whether you won that fight or lost it. The Father corrects you. The Father doesn't always sing your praises. I think no. I hope somebody can get this. I know Elder Jimmy gets it because he's a big, big baseball nut as I am. But when the crowd cheers for the player that hits the walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to win the game, and the kid gets in the car with Dad, and he's expecting a high five. How about that home run, Dad? Well, you were lucky, son. The pitcher fooled you. I saw your knees buckle. You, 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 didn't, you didn't have a good stance. You, you were off balance when you swung. You, 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 you swung. Uh, you wristed it out, and the wind carried it. And the kid feels, and then they say stupid stuff like, I can't do nothing to please him. No, he's telling you what to do to please him. He's giving you good advice. But let me tell you something. People don't want good advice. People that go to counseling don't want good advice in counseling. They want a co-signer. They want a co-signer. Man and wife go to counseling. They, they, they don't want the truth. The, the woman wants the, the, the counselor to attack the man. Tell him where he's wrong. The man wants the, the counselor to attack the woman. Tell her where she's wrong. Everybody's just looking for a cosigner. But the father never cosigns on his own child's foolishness. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit will not testify of himself. He will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit is not to be the emphasis. Jesus said, I only speak the things my Father tells me to speak. So Jesus is not even who we pray to. He said, when you pray, pray our Holy Spirit. No, he didn't say that. He said, when you pray, he said, pray to me. No, he, didn't. he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Now, can we pray to Jesus? Sure, because Jesus is God. Can we pray to the Holy Ghost? Sure, we can. But the emphasis of all Christianity was from the beginning on the Father. Everything Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's kingdom, my Father's words. It was always about the Father. That's not comfortable in churches today because the Father's the dude wearing the belt. But he's also the one that can benefit you the most and hand you the money. And we, we need to be willing to take the relationship of a father. The Bible says that uh, who the father loves, he chastens. That's whips. He said, and if you be without chastisement, then you are bastards and not sons. A bastard is someone who doesn't have a legitimate relationship with the father. And we need to learn how to receive divine communication. Hear me good. Even when we disagree with it. Even when it steps on our toes. Even when we have to say, ouch, because we're not there yet. Because listen, in, in some level, all of us have somewhere where we're not there yet. 
That's why I don't. That's why I don't bash folk. That's why you never hear me bashing somebody smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke cigarettes, uh, but I got stuff uh, that that I, I I need to be that I'm not perfect in. So I'm not gonna get on them. You never gonna hear me bashing somebody who who who's de- dealing with an alcohol problem. I don't have an alcohol problem, but I got my own problems. So I'm not gonna bash them. Uh, I, now I, the only people I bash are the ones that come to me bashing other folk. That's what Jesus did. The only people Jesus ever bashed was the hypocritical religious Pharisees and Sadducees. They came to him thinking they were exposing other people, and he told them, you're the problem. People come to me saying, oh, Lord, Pastor Scott, you ain't going to believe what I heard about uh, your Deacon Dixon. And I've had people tell me, this, tell me this about Cedric. I know he's your favorite. I probably shouldn't say this, but let, let, me, let me just go ahead. Uh, and and I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've got great admiration for all of our deacons. All of our deacons, wives. We got some of the finest men and women of God serving in this church of, of any group of people you're ever going to meet in your whole life. <laughs> or somebody will come up and he say, Ooh, Pastor, you ain't going to believe. You know that one person that sings in your choir? You ain't never going to believe what I saw him do. I always go to this. I, I don't know. Let me, let me take a guess. Can I guess? Now, oh, yeah, take a guess. Did they chase down the pastor and gossip to him about what somebody else was doing while they're still imperfect in their own lives? And it, I get this every time. Oh, how are you going to do me like that? Yeah, I'm going to do you like that. Because I don't want you to be on a deadly path. And when you stop receiving divine communication, you're going to find yourself on a deadly path. Let's get to this next phrase so we can get out of here. The next phrase says, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So the, in, in, in the original uh, King James Version, um, we said, it said, without vision of people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So let's, let's look at these other uh, versions and, and pull some words out. In the King James, it says, keeps the law. We already saw that. In the New Living, it says, obeys the law. In the English Standard, Version, it says, keeps the law again, but with a different outcome. And in the Christian study Bible, it says, follows divine instruction. So let me tell you what all that will uh, get you. Because the King James says, he that keeps the law happy is he. Well, let me tell you what it says through all of these different versions. And in the King James says, he that keeps the law, it gets happiness. Uh, in the next translation, it said, he who obeys the law is joyful. Another translation says, he who keeps the law is blessed. And uh, the fourth one says, he who follows divine instruction is happy. So if you want to be blessed, if you want to be joyful, if you want to be happy, somebody who is a, a, a student of the Bible and can read and listen with comprehension, if you want to be happy, joyful, and blessed, what do you have to do? That's what it is. So what we got to do is we got to understand what the law is. Now, if you ask people what the law is, you get different ideas. Some people will tell you that it's the Ten Commandments. Other people will tell you it's the first five books of the Old Testament. Some people will tell you that it's the entire Old Testament. But the best scholars will tell you the law is everything that God has said. Everything from the mouth of God is the law. You, uh, it's, it's like these people come around, uh, some of these politicians. One of these politicians came in uh, to office this past month. And he stood up at his first press conference. He said, there's a new sheriff in town, and I'm laying down the law. 
And then everything he said after then was what his version of the law was. I want to tell you, when God speaks, it's all the law. Everything God says is the law. So if you do what God says, you're going to be happy, joyful, and blessed. Now let's put all this together in one sentence, and then we're going to move on. Where there is no divine communication from an oracle, a revelator, the people will follow a deadly path. But if you do what God says, you will be happy, joyful, and blessed. Now, let's pretend we're on Wednesday night and we're just having an interactive discussion and, and in-depth Bible study because I want you to understand it. The Bible says what all you're getting, get understanding. If you are not, okay, now we're, what we're going to do right now, we're going to work on a mathematical formula used in a theological concept. It's called the inverse principle. Um, if 3 plus 2 equals 5, 5 minus 2 equals what? Okay, so let's, let's work on that. It says, if you do what God says, you will be happy, joyful, and blessed. So let me, let me just ask you this question, see who's following. If you are not happy, joyful, and blessed, tell me what the reason is. See how easy Bible study is? But you see how people don't want that? It ain't my fault. Yes, it is. No, no, it's, it's, that, it's that man. No, it's that one. You're playing that Adam and Eve game. It's the devil. No, it's not. The Bible says each of us are drawn, each of us are tempted when we're drawn away by our own lusts, our own wicked desires. And the first step in solving a problem is identifying that problem and taking ownership of it. Let me tell you. The biggest thing standing between you and happy, joy, and being blessed is guess who? You. Start doing what God says. Well, Pastor, how am I going to do everything that God says? Same way you eat elephant. Somebody tell them how to eat elephant. One bite at a time. One person said, uh, I heard <laughs> we had an Australian missionary come uh, work in our church for a year and had that weird accent and she, she thought I had a weird accent I told her I'm in my country she said inch by inch it's a cinch but by the yard it's hard I asked her to say that in English she said that is English you want me to say it to you in country take where you are and apply revelation to where you are. Not what you think. Not what the dream you had. Not, not the vision God gave me. No, take what God said and apply it to your life where you are. So, so today, I'm going to finish up by, by speaking to you for God and, and giving us some uh, divine guidance from the true and the living God. God has told us repeatedly that eternal life is found in who? Jesus. Uh, and we all call ourselves Christians. Now, a Christian is someone who follows the teaching and the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, follow me. So what, would, what should we do? We should follow him. Jesus said, deny yourself. Die to yourself. Follow me and my plan. In the Gospels, we see the life of Jesus clearly on display. Everywhere he went, listen, he was helping people. 
There's a test coming on that sentence I just gave you. I'm going to tell you the sentence again. Everywhere he went, he was helping people. So here's, here's the test. You give me the answer. Everywhere Jesus went, what was he doing? He was helping people. He fed hungry people. He healed broken people. He gave hope to hurting people. And he told us to do the same. So we need to be doing what Jesus did. Jesus told his followers, the works that I do, you will do also. And then he said something that's also twisted by, by witches in the pulpit. He said, the works that I do, you should do also, and greater works than these shall you do. And I, there's preachers on TV saying, we're doing greater works than Jesus. That's not what he meant. Greater in quantity because there's more of us. There, there's more of us. Je, Jesus fed thousands and thousands of people uh, while he was in public ministry for a little over three years. Um, all the churches in the world have fed more people than Jesus fed. Are you following me? But they were doing the works that he did. And he empowers us to do these works also. Now, here's my punchline. Wake back up and get this. I've talked to you for a long time now about the food and clothing building that we're, prepared to build, that we're preparing to build in the empty field. But I want you to know it's so much more than a food and clothing building. Say more. The name on the building is not even going to say food and clothing because it's not being designed as a food and clothing barn. It's going to say Abundant Life Community Center because it's being built to be a community center. And when I set this up, I may, you, you can go to the state of Florida Division Corporation. You can look up Abundant Life Community Center. It is a separate 501c3 nonprofit organization um, duly formed in the state of Florida, separate and apart from any um, entity. It is not technically, legally connected to our church. It's an outgrowth of our church that stands on its own. And it's going to be a lot more going on over there than food and clothing. Listen to what Jesus' life was about in Acts 10, 38. The Bible says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So there has to be anointing from the Holy Spirit with power before you can go around doing good and healing all that were oppressed with the devil. But I promise you today that the Abundant Life Community Center, and I got a bid back from the big-time contractor I've been telling you all about this week, and the Abundant Life Community Center is going to be a place where God will do good things for people and where he will bring healing to all who are oppressed of the devil. Get your mind bigger than food and clothing. We focused on food and clothing. Now, all of the things that we've done in the past are going to find their fulfillment uh, back again in this building. We haven't had the space and the manpower to accomplish everything at one time that we focused on over 20-plus years in the history of this church. But listen, there's going to be food, there's going to be clothing, but there's also going to be a community services dedicated to feeding hungry people, healing broken people, and giving hope to hurting people. Let me give you just seven because I'm on a time crunch and I'm over my time. There are going to be mental health programs out of the community center. We, we've got people who are expert in this church at dealing with mental health issues. And I want to tell you something. The greatest, most common disease, uh, one of the most common diseases in America right now uh, is mental health disease. There are more prescriptions being filled on a monthly basis for mental health than any other disease in the world. 
and we are going to operate, uh, and all these services are going to be provided free to our community. We're going to foot the bill, and they're, they're, they're going to get the blessing. Uh, there's going to be jobs programs there. we got people in our church that are expert in helping people connect to jobs. And how many of y'all think jobs are something necessary in this day and age? Um, and if you've ever been without a job, listen, the, you've, you've heard the cliche, the easiest time to get a job is when you got a job. But when you don't have a job, it's difficult, and we're going to help connect people to jobs. There's going to be addiction recovery programs because there's a lot of drug addicts in the world. And, and listen, stop expecting people to help themselves. If we could help ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. And if we could help ourselves, we'd already be over all our problems. We, 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 we're going we're to teach recovery programs. There's going to be after-school programs there. We've done this before uh, in, 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 the, in the B building. There, there's going to be computer labs set up for kids that, that need Internet access and, and, and that need uh, supervision, uh, just like we've done in the past. There's, uh, the fifth thing is one of the ones I'm super excited about is going to be a community connector program. On the back of our T-shirts, if you ever buy one of the orange T-shirts that you see people wearing, uh, Abundant Life T-shirts, it says across the back of it, get connected. And one of the things I've desired for this church to do from its inception is to be the community connector in a neighborhood. When new people move into a neighborhood and they want to find a good doctor, they're going to be able to ask us and we're going to tell them. They're going to need to find a good real estate agent. They're going to ask us. We're going to be able to tell them. They're going to need to find a good handyman. They're going to ask us. We're going to tell them. They're going to need to find out what's the good, the good half of 103rd Street and the bad half of 103rd Street. And we're going to tell them. Because it's a who you know world. And a lot of people don't know the right people. But we're going to be the right people for everybody. Everybody don't have a hookup. Everybody don't have a hand up. Everybody don't have somewhere to go when they don't know where to go. But we're going to make that possible for the people that don't have it. We're going to provide it for them. We're going to connect people in the community to the things that they need. There's also going to be uh, prayer. I should say for people. Prayer for all people. We are going to strategically have prayer services in that building. We're going to have calendars of prayer where people sign up for an hour and come and sit in there. It's going to be a, a prayer place in there where people can just bathe that whole building and this community in prayer. I'm telling you, get your mind just all food and clothing. It's so, so much more. Uh, also, there's going to be Christian education. Oh, update on the fly. Good job. It's going to be Christian education program. Listen, in the very beginning, we're going to set up a library in there. We've already got books. Uh, but we're going to set up a library and a place where people can come and hang out and, and just read in the quietness, in the safety, in, 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 in a sanctuary place for the Lord because I believe in Christian education. One of the things that's going to allow us to do is once we get all that going on in the new building, in the community center, it's going to allow us to open up our daycare. We used to have a daycare. Um, the, the daycare uh, ended after Gail got sick um, but she worked the daycare uh, up until the day Seth was born she used to go in at 5 30 in the morning open the church daycare when we were out in Clay County and she went in one day uh, she, well, it was April 28 2004 and she opened up at 5 30 around about 10 o'clock she called me and she said I think I'm getting close and uh, had to take her to the uh, hospital and uh, so she, she got up and opened up the daycare on the day Seth was born. Uh, that, that, that's the kind of woman she was. And if you ever get tired of me uh, talking.
talking about how, how great a woman she was. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So keep that in mind as well. But we had a daycare before, and it, it was a great ministry to the church. It allowed people a godly place to bring their children. And listen, daycare is expensive, and you don't have to go any further than Google to find daycares that have duct taped children to poles, that have beaten children, molested children. We're not going to allow none of that to go on. We're going to love on these kids, and we're going to speak the word of God over their lives, and we're going to be a blessing to them because it's a real ministry. Part of the original vision of this church was that we would be a whole man ministry where we would take care of people from birth to the grave. I don't know if I'm going to live long enough with, with, with all the things that I'm facing and my current age, um, but I, I'm still asking God to open up a door for us to have an assisted living facility. Because I, I started preaching like so many preachers did 40 years ago. Uh, pastors said, well, go preach to the old people in old folks' homes. You see, we didn't used to care. People weren't so sensitive back then. Well, don't call it an old folks' home. That's, that, you, you hurt their feelings. Oh, they were old and they knew it. So I spent a lot of time in senior adult care facilities, ALFs, assisted living facilities. Um, and I can tell you this, and it's, it was true then, and it's still true today. Lots of them smell like pee and death. And they don't love the people that are in there. And they don't provide a clean, safe, loving environment for them. And I'm telling you, God is going to use this community center to take care of this community from birth to the grave. Get bigger in food and clothing in your mind. And we've, we've got to get to the place where we look for how we can get involved. Give me five more minutes and we'll get out of here. We talked about the four categories of spiritual gifts because to be effective in a ministry with this big a scope, it's going to take a total team effort with supernatural power, not human power, supernatural, say supernatural, supernatural power. Now, a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given by God to an individual for the purpose of glorifying God and building up the body of Christ. That's what a spiritual gift is. Um, if, if, if you want to know more about spiritual gifts, go back into the website and look up the sermons on spiritual gifts or schedule some time with me, and I'll sit down with you and I'll teach you everything you want to know about what God says about spiritual gifts. Not my ideas, but what God says. I always break down these spiritual gifts into four categories, manifestation gifts, miracle gifts, ministry gifts, and motivation gifts. Manifestation gifts are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith, and discerning of spirits. Miracle gifts are the working of miracles, healings, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Ministry gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And motivation gifts are prophecy, ministry, teaching, encouragement, giving, ruling, and mercy. I'm talking fast because I want to get you out of here soon. But these motivational gifts is what I want to look at for the next five minutes because the Scripture teaches every person who's saved has at least one gift. At least one gift. And every person who is saved has at least one gift inside these seven. At least one gift. See, your motivation gift is who you are. It's the motivation internally in you. It's who you were wired up to be from birth even before you came to a saving knowledge of Christ. God purposed you this way. This is who you are at your root level. And in Romans chapter 12, uh, God's word covers these gifts. In verse 4, the Bible says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. I want you to know, you have a special function. Y'all sleeping already. I'm going to say it again. You have, if you're saved, you have a special function. You've got a special function. Verse 5 says, so it's true with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. 
And if we could all get on the same page and stop criticizing each other, we could get more work done. Verse 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. We call these spiritual gifts. So if God has given you, and here we get into these seven, the ability to prophesy, speak with as much faith as God has given you. Now, prophecy is not predicting the future. Prophecy is boldly speaking forth what God has said to your own hurt. All prophets are disdained by human beings. They, they're all, they all live lives of isolation. They all live lives of haters on every corner because it is the ability to boldly say things that will not make you popular. Uh, these are not popular people, and that's why the verse says, speak with as much faith as God has given you. Some people that God has gifted to be prophets, it's a supernatural ability to speak boldly against unrighteousness. Uh, and, and current cultural trends. Some people don't have enough faith for it, but he says, speak as much faith as God has given you. Verse 7 says, if your gift is serving others, this, this is the gift of service. This, uh, we, we also call this the gift of helps or the gift of ministry. It's a supernatural ability given by God to certain people to be helpful. There are people in the room, they don't want a microphone, they don't want a platform, but if a chair needs to be stacked, they're the first one. Now, do you know if I said we're going to stack chairs in the fellowship hall, the same 14 people that do it every time I say I do it would, would stay late and go over there no matter how long I preach today, and everybody else would skate out. Well, some of that's based on selfishness, and some of it's based on giftedness because people with the gift of helps, they love it when there's something that they can do. They love it when they can be helpful, and every church needs more people with the gift of helps, of serving others to step up. It says if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. Teaching is a supernatural ability given by God to certain individuals to teach the Word of God. And the proof text for whether or not you have this supernatural ability is when you teach, people learn. Lots of people teaching in pulpits call themselves Bible teachers, but nobody understands what they're saying. People with the spiritual gift of teaching have people who learn when they teach. Verse 8 says, if your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. <laughs> Imagine that. If you're designed by God to be the part of the body that is very encouraging, if God designed you to be the spoonful of sugar that makes the hard word medicine go down and you're broken in your own spirit, you're not encouraging anybody, we just got a church full of depressed people. See, the, the gift of encouragement or exhortation is a supernatural ability given by God to certain people to speak the right word at the right time. To say the right thing to the right person at the right time. I'm not talking about giving out compliments. I'm not talking about salesmanship. I'm not talking about working a hustle. I'm talking about saying something from God to them that lifts them up and builds them up. Next sentence says, if it's giving, give generously. Now, why would God have to tell people with the gift of giving to give generously? Because sometimes they don't. Now, let me tell you what the gift of giving is. The gift of giving is a supernatural ability given by God to some people. See, here's the thing. Before I tell you, some of y'all don't want the gift of giving because you're greedy. And you think, I ain't trying to have no gift of giving. I give enough. That ain't, ain't my gift. Uh, I stack chairs. I ain't. Now, listen, this isn't talking about the tithe or the offering. That's totally different. This is talking about over and above that. But when you hear what the supernatural ability is, you might change your mind about desiring the gift of giving. The gift of giving is a supernatural ability given by God to certain people to accumulate large volumes of money. 
so that they can give it to the kingdom of God for the advancement of his kingdom. They become funnels of money to where God just lets them find money and they give it to the church. It's a principle um, that, that theologians have called give to get to give again. That's what's in the mind of the giver. I know when I give this, God's going to bless me for it. When he gives me that blessing, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to give again, and it's going to get bigger, and I'm going to give bigger, and I'm going to, I'm, God's going to trust me with more, and I'm going to give more. Some of y'all are like, I mean, you're just talking gibberish at this point. Next, next sentence says, if God's giving you leadership ability, that's the gift of ruling or leadership or organization. The, the gift of leadership is the supernatural ability given by God. See, these aren't natural tendencies. These aren't self-help things. These are supernatural abilities beyond what you could do. It's a supernatural ability given by God to certain people to take a project and to see it through. These are your people that can dot the I and cross the T. These are the people that are meticulous. These are well-organized people. And it says if you've got that ability, take the responsibility seriously. How are you going to have the gift of leadership of administration and not be working in, in administration. Then it says, if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That, that gift of showing kindness is also called mercy. And mercy is a supernatural ability given by God to certain people to feel the pain of others and to minister to them on the Lord's behalf. These are people who don't mind sitting with a sick person. These are people who don't mind emptying a bedpan. And let me tell you something. Uh, I found this out when Gail was sick. And I wish every nurse had the gift of mercy, but they don't. But the ones that do make a big difference. If you're in the healthcare profession and you have the gift of mercy, you make sure that, that, that you show it. If, if you've got a gift of showing kindness, do it gladly. Make sure you know that that's how God has wired you up. So based on this passage, and I know y'all getting antsy, but I'm going to give you my five-fold confession based on this passage, and we're going to get out of here. Number one. Oh, hold on. Verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. And verse 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Here's the five-fold confession. I need some people to get on this page with me. Number one. We're going to love each other for real. And the only way to do that is love people in spite of people. Love them where they are. Leave them alone. Let God judge them. Let, let, let God grow them. And, and ask God to grow you too. But we're going to love people for real. Uh, number two, we're going to take delight in honoring each other. If you're walking around wondering, well, when's somebody going to tell me how great I am? Probably never because your attitude stinks. <laughs> we got to learn how to honor each other. We, 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 we got to learn how to prefer each other over ourselves. Number three, we will be active and not lazy. If you look up synonyms for lazy, you're going to come up with this first verse. Uh, first word, active. And it's time for the body of Christ to get active. Too many people used to do this, that, and the third for God. Too many people used to serve here, there, and in another place for God, but they're not doing anything now. We will not be lazy. We will be active. Fourth thing, we will work hard. This is all out of the text I just read. We're commanded to work hard. And fifth, we're going to serve the Lord enthusiastically and not with pettiness. And, oh, Lord, I'm the only one to keep the nursery again. Well, I guess I'll do it. I'm the only one that ever did it. I mean, I guess if I don't pick up paper around this church, the whole place will be a junkyard. That's not serving the Lord enthusiastically. That's serving the Lord with bitterness. And there's too much of that going on in 
the Lord's church. For this five-fold confession of work is going to require five things. Patience, humility, effort, consistency, and a servant's heart. And I want you to start letting God work on your patience, your humility, your effort, your consistency, and your servant's heart. Two more verses and we're out of here. Verse 9. 2 uh, Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. What's this saying? God's looking everywhere. God's looking everywhere to find somebody whose heart is loyal to him. So he can do what? Show himself strong. God wants to burst through on this earth through you. Ecclesiastes 22.30 says, God speaking, he said, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. It's time that we be found of God today. We need people who will stand in the gap for the broken, for the lost and the dying, for the hurting and the wounded. We need people who will stand in the gap and use their spiritual gift that God has put inside them to do good to all people. Because this is what Jesus is about. We need to be found by God today as people who have loyal hearts to him and people who will stand in the gap. See, there are people in this room right now that are truly saved. And you've got spiritual gifts inside you. This isn't what you're good at. This is supernatural power God has put inside you to do specific things, certain things well. And you're sitting on them. And you need to get off the bench. And you need to get into the kingdom of working for God. There are people in this room with the gift of prophecy. You'd rather tell an uncomfortable truth than a friendly lie. You're unique. You'd rather tell somebody an uncomfortable truth than compliment them. God has put that in you. You need to get involved in prophecy in this church. There are people in this room that are just great at helping. Just, just love to be helpful. You need to get involved. There are people in this room that God has given the gift of teaching. You're not teaching. You need to get involved. There's people in this room that are great at encouraging. You know how to say kind words without sounding like a con artist. Because God has given you that supernatural ability. You need to get involved. People in this room with the gift of giving, you need to get involved. People in, the, in this room with the gift of rulership, leading an organization, you need to get involved. People in this room with mercy, they know how to show kindness to other people. Oh, every time you come into this place, you ought to look for everybody you can. Because I can tell you right now, see, I get to hear most of the people's problems in this room. And you can't imagine the amount of pain people in this room have endured. You can't imagine the amount of attack people in this room have endured. You can't imagine the, the obstacles people in this room have overcome with, the, 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 the issues that they have to uh, work through every day. Your kind word could be a difference maker. So here's my invitation. If you're here and you're not saved, none of that applies to you. You can't work in your spiritual gift until you get saved. If you're here and you're not saved, you need to ask God to save you. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. You just got to call on God and ask him to save you. But if you're here and you are saved, I want, you, I want to identify your gift or gifts, and I want to pray for you. I told the staff to be in prayer because I knew today was going to be a longer service. And I didn't want to get to the end of it and see the time and, 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 and not let God move. 
And I told him, I'm not going to let that clock bind me today. Uh, because I know God wants to do something through this ministry and the people inside this church. The Bible says we're the hands and feet of God. He's going to do what he's going to do through his children. So, so here's what I want to do. And I'm not going to make you come down here. But what I am going to do, and maybe you don't know yet. Maybe we need to schedule some time together and we need to find out where, where your gift is. Because I don't want you in the helps ministry if you're not helpful. I don't want you in the mercy ministry if you don't know how to show kindness. I, I want to identify what your gift is. And if you don't know, then we can get to that. Schedule some time with me. Call the church office and say, I need to get on pastor's schedule. And I'll meet with you and we'll walk through the word of God together. And we'll identify it. But here's what I want to do. The Bible says you're trapped by the words of your mouth. Sometimes we just need to say something that's true about ourselves. So we'll have to be held accountable to it. That's why one of the most successful recovery programs in the world is a 12-step program in AA. The first thing they say when they stand up, my name's Pookie. And what? I'm an alcoholic. When you identify your gift properly, and you declare that's who God has made you, then you can begin to step forth and shine for his usefulness. So I don't know if there's anybody in this room that feels like God has given them the supernatural gift of prophecy. Now, a lot of mean people think they're prophets because they say hard things. There's a difference between being mean and prophetic. But if you believe that God has given you the supernatural, and listen, let me tell you what. This is the least given gift of all for a reason. If all of us were prophets in the world, uh, that'd, be, that'd be a tough road to hope. But if you believe that God has given you the spiritual gift of prophecy and you're willing to use that gift for his glory without shame uh, or fear of what people think about you or what they'll say about you, if, if you believe that's you, I just want you to stand up right now real quick. If you believe that's you. Anybody? Okay. All right. If you believe God has given you the, the, the spiritual gift of service, helps, ministry, if you believe that God has put it in your heart to be that behind-the-scenes person that just helps make everything turn out all right, if you, if you say, I believe I got the spiritual gift of helps, Pastor, and, and I want to be useful in God's kingdom, I just want you to stand up right where you are. Okay? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want everybody in the church to agree with me in prayer as I pray over these people that are standing right now. Some of you should be standing that aren't. The Bible, the Bible says, whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. But don't be ashamed in the house of God of what God has done in your life. I want to pray for these people, and I want you to, pray, to agree with me as I pray. God, I thank you for each person standing in this room, God. And you promised that you would give gifts as you decided. And you've, you, you, you've given these gifts to these men and women, Father. And I pray that you would anoint them with power and with the Holy Ghost and that you would begin to use them in a greater level of ministry so that their gifting would be made evident and be a blessing to the world and bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. If you believe you have a spiritual gift of teaching, listen, te people have the gift of teaching, love facts, figures, information, statistics, pie charts, graphs. If you believe you have the gift of teaching, I just want you to stand up where you are. All right, all right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. I want everybody else to agree with me in prayer for these people that are standing. God, I thank you for each person who's standing. 
God, declaring that they, you have given them the supernatural gift to teach. Father, I pray that you'd anoint them with the Holy Ghost and power. And God, I pray that you'd let them step forth in ministry and let this be the greatest year of usefulness in their life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe you have the gift, the spiritual gift of encouragement, if you, if you know how to exhort people, if you know how to say the right word at the right time, if you're just that friendly person that everybody leaves feeling better when they talk to you, if you say, I believe I have the spiritual gift of encouragement, and you can have more than one gift. If you believe you have the spiritual gift of encouragement, I just want you to stand up where you are. Amen. Praise the Lord. Agree with me in prayer for these. God, I thank you for each person standing, Lord. I thank you for the gift that you've placed in them, and I pray right now that you'd anoint them with the Holy Ghost and with power, and that you would use them to operate in this gift of encouragement, God. Let them begin to encourage others. Let them begin to speak for you more often and, and to flourish in this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, if you believe God has given you the spiritual gift of giving, if you just love to give, if, if you just, and, and you know, I, I want to make more so I can give more. Don't be ashamed. The Bible says, whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. This isn't you bragging about who you are. This is about you declaring what God has put in your heart to do. If you believe you have the spiritual gift of giving, I just want you to stand where you are. Praise the Lord. Amen. And remember, you can have more than one motivational gift, but if this wires you up, if giving wires you up, Agree with me in prayer for these people. God, I thank you for each person standing, Lord. And I thank you for giving them the gift of giving. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you would anoint them with the Holy Ghost and with power. And I pray that you would begin to pour money through their hands. God, I pray that you would be able to begin to flood money to their hands from the north, south, east, and west. Let money fall on them from every direction, God. And let them be faithful in giving to your kingdom. Anoint them, God. Use them for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We're almost done. If anybody believes they have the gift of administration, also called leadership or ruling, if you dot the I's, cross the T's, if you could take, if we, if you could help us put a project together and make sure that all the chairs got set up and each room got placed in the right place, anybody believes they've got the gift of organization, let me see you stand up. Praise the Lord. Agree with me in prayer for these. God, I thank you for each person who stood up. God, and I thank you for giving the gift of administration to these people. Father, and I pray that you'd anoint them with the Holy Ghost and with power, and I pray that they would begin to work in their gift, God. I pray that they would seek Dina out and begin to take off her plate, God, begin to lighten her load and get involved in organizing and get involved in administration. Use them for your glory. Let this be the most useful year of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. The last one, if you believe you have the gift of mercy, if you just really feel wired up, if you feel like you have a special passion to sit with old people, to, 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 to love on people who are in the hospital. If you don't rush away from sick people, if you just have, have the willingness to say, when nobody else will be there for them, I'll be there for them because I just got that heart. I'm just who I am. It's just I can't, I can't stop being who I am. I want you to agree with me in prayer for these people. God, I thank you so much for each person who stood up with this gift, God of mercy. And, Lord, I ask you to anoint them with the Holy Ghost and power, God. I pray that you would pour your mercy on and through them, God, that they would be loving and they would be kind and they would show every level of kindness to the hurting people in this world. I pray that you would use them in their gifting more than ever this year in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry 
allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.